Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, sometimes better known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can also hit up the show on Twitter as well at LockedOnLeafs. Man, it feels like we've basically gone through half an off season already without hockey. Like it's, it's, it's coming up on a month uh, pretty quickly and still no end in sight. Uh, We do have some league news for you that, uh, that I'll be sharing today. We'll be discussing kind of what was talked about a little bit on TSN's insider trading today. And then uh, in the second segment, we'll touch on some Leafs news as well as uh, some news and uh, a cool little, Top five that I've compiled, I guess, of uh, Kyle Dubas's free agent signings over the last couple of seasons. I kind of have a top five ranking of, of how he's done. Uh, that being because he made a signing today. So we're going to talk about that latest signing, and that's 25-year-old Russian UFA Alex Barabanov. Uh, the Maple Leafs announcing today the signing of Barabanov, a one-year deal starting next season. He had 20 points in 43 games this year in the KHL. Last year, though, had a breakout season with 17 goals, 29-6 for 46 points in the KHL for SKA St. Petersburg. Um, so I... We talked about him a little bit last uh, last week when we when we had a podcast. I don't know much about him because I don't watch a lot of KHL hockey. I don't really watch any KHL hockey unless I hear about a good prospect that I that I want to take a look at. Uh, but you know, based on what I've heard from from Kyle Dubas, based on some things that I've read, also uh, his agent Dan Milstein has talked about him as well. Uh, it seems like a, a rather smallish guy. He's only five ten. Um, and he's a, a skilled playmaking winger who doesn't mind going into the, the dirty areas a little bit. Maybe sounds like he could be a, potos- a possible Ilya Mikheyev 2.0 type player, which I would love because I'm, I'm a huge Mikheyev guy. You know, Superman, that's my dude. Um, and before he got injured, he, he was honestly having a really good season with Toronto. So if they can find themselves kind of a 2.0 of that, um, yeah, I, I'd be all for that. Um, He's 25 years old, so you know it, it, it. He may not need the time to acclimate as much as uh, maybe a younger player would. Duba saying that he does believe that he should be able to come and compete to play on the team right away, or at least rather quickly. Uh, but here's what Dan Milstein, his agent, had to say about the decision for Barabanov to choose the Leafs and what he would bring the team. Well, uh, like you said, it was uh, the love from first sight. Uh, over the last uh, three years or so, he has had uh, um, numerous meetings with a number of teams. Uh, there were well over uh, 20 teams or so to, uh, uh, on him. And uh, towards the end, uh, yeah, there were two finalists. But he decided, uh, you know, quite, to be honest, all uh, uh, options were about equal. And uh, sales pitches were about identical. And in the end, he said, I'm going with Toronto. It's the love from first sight from the first meeting and on. He's a very good skater. Um, he is a fierce competitor. He works hard along the boards, and uh, he's going to make. Uh, he always seems to come out with the buck, and uh, he's going to make your superstars uh, better. Making the superstars better. I like that. I really like that. <laughs> so you know, it begs the question: Where, where is this kid going to play? Because if you know, they kind of have the top layer kind of already figured out with. Marner, Matthews, and Hyman. That line looks pretty good. And then maybe this is the fit that he could end up making. His, maybe not right away, but if he's a, a good playmaker who 
likes to go find the puck, get into the gritty areas, and get it out to the stars. That's a perfect compliment for the second line for William Nylander and John Tavares. You know, like Tavares does best when when there's a guy like Hyman on his line to, to go out and get him the puck. And if Barabanov has that opportunity and he has that skill set and he can kind of be a poor man Zach Hyman or, you know, a Mikheyev, that's great. And and if it, it turns out that he doesn't get that spot and they give it to Mikheyev because, you know, how, how well he was playing this season and he's got a year under his belt, uh, he's got some experience with Sheldon Keefe, then maybe they put him on the third line. And even still, like, that's, that's still a really solid, useful player. It seems like he does a little bit of everything. Just a two-way forward who likes to pass the puck and likes to go into the dirty areas. That's pretty much what it sounds like his agent Dan Milstein is selling. Um, and I'll buy it. And the Leafs, obviously, they're buying it too. They're going to give him a one-year deal. Uh, and then they'll have his rights, obviously, for the next few years now after that. But, you know, it's, it's really nothing. Like, it's a one-year cheap contract. And I think that's what's really interesting like that's something that that the Leafs do kind of have to be weary of going forward is how they structure their cap and stuff so when they're making signings like this I think it's important because they're signing guys who they believe can be NHL caliber players much like Mikheyev was um, in the years before that you know Par Lindholm when they brought over Zaitsev uh, you know like those types of signings and now especially with the cap being so up against it and then not even knowing what's going to be happening next season um, I think that signing a guy who's pretty close to being NHL ready or if not already NHL ready having him to a league minimum contract is huge absolutely huge um and i think that's that that was a big reason why they wanted to go out and make these signings and dubas does believe that he could kind of play right away and uh here's here's dubas's thoughts on the deal yeah he's someone that uh one of the key members of our staff jim paliafito he runs sort of our the entire department when it comes to free agents and other teams prospects and, and a large part of his time is spent on um, European free agents, and um, so we've been we've been talking about Alex and, and watching him and kind of breaking down his game for a couple of years. And I think we we think he would fit with what we want to do, not only with his his talent level, his ability to make plays, but he's also he's he's, he's not tall, but he's very strong and, and competitive, and he's been a part of teams, uh, say Petersburg, that have won two championships and an Olympic gold medal and, and multiple world championships for Russia. So. He's shown that you know he doesn't just have to produce. He certainly can and produce at a high level, but uh, he's also able to chip in in a number of different ways. And so it's been a process over the last couple of seasons, just in getting to know him. Jim uh, has has really driven that uh, uh, that process for us in terms of building a trust and building a relationship with Alex and, and his wife. And uh, and so when it came, I think when it came down to the actual decision, uh, Jim Palafito's work was was massive than us. Uh, and us being the place that, that he elected to, to sign and, and begin his North American career. All right, that clip courtesy of TSN 1050's Overdrive. You can catch the entire uh, interview there over on the TSN uh 1050 web page it was a, a whole interview with on overdrive with uh, Kyle Dubas but you know a thing that I pulled out there it just it seems like maybe uh, I I may have jumped the gun a little bit kind of inserting him with Tavares I was just thinking more so a role that 
you know, that line needs. But it doesn't sound like Dubis is ready to anoint him a top six role, which that makes complete sense. It's, it's, it's the, I didn't quite expect for that to happen, obviously. I was just thinking, oh, if he's a, a Zach Hyman type player, you know, a smaller guy who likes to go in the corners and, and get the puck and get the puck out to his stars, well, that's a really good fit because that's something that's kind of needed on that second line. Um, but it, it sounds more like uh, Dubis isn't so sure that he's ready to be given that type of uh, that that big of a role early on at least uh, maybe he can turn into that you know we didn't expect to Zach Hyman to be that he was a fourth line grinder that worked his way up to the top line Ilya Mikheyev they weren't expecting that either right when he got signed and he ended up working his way onto the top uh, into the top six so maybe Barabanov starts his way down the lineup a little bit fourth third line gets some penalty killing duties um, just plays sound hockey on both ends um, you know I don't know if if production is going to be his biggest uh, the bread and butter for for Barabanov but I'm I'm you know it's it's a good signing it's a cheap signing and it doesn't cost you anything but money and the Leafs and MLSE have nothing but money so uh, a good signing there uh, there was a report last week that there was up to 20 different players or 20 different teams sorry that were interested in signing Barabanov at some point throughout the season so you know it got whittled down to uh, a couple of teams and then last week there was a report that it was down to Arizona and Toronto and then obviously you heard Dan Milstein earlier talking about how you know, it was kind of right, uh, it was love at first sight, you know, Barabanov wanted to be in Toronto if Toronto was was willing to have him, and turned out to be a, a pretty good pretty good pairing here, so hopefully Barabanov turns out to be a good piece, because the Leafs are desperately, with the amount that they have paid, the, the amount that they're paying the top end of their roster, they really need some of these lower end uh, cap hit guys, guys who are signing one year veter- uh, league veteran deals, kind of like Ennis did or like Spezza did. Or, you know, you go out and you get these uh, undrafted rookies from Europe, uh, such as, you know, the Mikheyevs, the Barabanovs, uh, the Cali Rosens, Borgmans, all those types of players. So, you know, hopefully this, this turns out to be a pretty good one. Um, okay, so. Uh, the Leafs also made a couple more signings. Uh, they signed defensive prospects Philip Crawl and Christians Rubens a few days ago. Crawl, uh, I believe he has more upside. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick a couple of years ago, back in 2018, uh, from with the Leafs. Um, he's finished his time in the WHL, so it looks like he's going to report to the Marlies camp next year when they open up. Uh, but he had 49 points, 12 goals, 37 uh, assists for 49 points in 53 games this season. Last year, played for the Czech Republic, um, played for their world junior team. So, uh, you know, I think Philip Crawl works himself into uh, the Marlies lineup, hopefully, and maybe somewhere down the line, next few years, he could develop into an NHL guy because, well, the Leafs need defense. So <laughs> that is definitely something that they're going to do. Christian's Rubin, same thing. Um, he was an undrafted guy that has been playing in the minors, played the last two seasons with the Marlies anyways, so they just kind of re-upped him and, and uh, gave him an NHL contract. So those are the, the new signings that the Leafs have made. You know, it's it's not quite the offseason, but it's it's pretty much the offseason. At least I think that's the way that a lot of these teams are going to be going about things uh, over the next little bit as they're not sure if the season's ever going to continue if it does. Um, and if it does, well, then they got some work done in the meantime uh, with some with some off-ice stuff, making signings like Philip Kral, Christian Rubens, and uh, Barabanov. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the top five UFA signings that Dubas has made since he became the general manager. So really, it's only been two seasons going into a third season um, now with the signing of, of a guy like Barabanov. Um, 
So we'll uh, we'll we'll do that on the other side. All right, welcome back to Locked On These Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, and we're going to have a couple of conversations. Again, we're going to chat about the insider training and kind of dissect what the, the, the insiders from TSM were talking about, uh, the new news, I guess, that's coming out of the NHL uh, and see whether or not we expect to see some hockey at some point this season uh, or not. But uh, first, before we do that, I have compiled a fun little list. Top five Leafs UFA signings that Kyle Dubas has made in the Dubas era while he's been the general manager of the Leafs. So, to be quite honest, there's really not much. It's been two years, and I'm not including RFAs, just strictly UFAs, whether it's you know a college signing, a, a July 1 summer signing, or uh, or they signed a guy out of Europe, you know, such as um, Barabanov, which is the reason why we're doing this, realistically, just kind of it, it fits with the theme of what we've been talking about and what the Dave is all about. So, uh, number one, this one's so you know what no i'm gonna start off at number five and go five through one and i think that this is uh because number one is gonna be super easy anyways uh so we'll go from number five through one so i think the fifth best signing that he's made so far in his young career is the leafs general manager and this one's more of a projection pick to be quite honest with you but it's right hand defenseman 22 year old joey dushek he was a an unrestricted free agent last season uh, or a college free agent Last season at a Mercyhurst, uh, pretty solid defenseman. He started the year in the ECHL this year with Newfoundland and worked his way up to the Marlies. Had an insanely productive season in the ECHL. He had 35 points in 34 games and then moved up to the AHL where he had 18 points in 23 games. So a total of 12 goals, 41 assists, 53 points in 57 games played. Uh, in the it split between the ECHL and the AHL. So, you know, he's insanely productive. He's a good power play guy. Um, he's, he's kind of a power play quarterback. That's what he was touted as coming out of Mercyhurst. The big issue that I've had, and I, I spoke to uh, I spoke to a couple of guys. Um, one, I spoke to Chris Ballard, who's actually the play-by-play guy for the, the Newfoundland uh for the Newfoundland Growlers, and he kind of talked about, he said, you know, Dushek, he's, he's a great player. Uh, he really is. He's a good player. Could use a little bit of work on his in his own end, but he was definitely too good for the ECHL. He tore up the league. Like I said, nine goals, 26 assists, 35 po- points in 34 games. So he got put up to the HL rather quickly. Um, and then I asked the guy who watched him with the Marlies. So I asked a friend of the show on quite often, Heart of Lad, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on Dushek? And he said, look, man, he's, he's a guy, or I can, I can read it out. I said, uh, so he's still a bit of an if for me. He, he's not too sure if he's, you know, strong enough or good enough defensively to be a solid NHLer as it stands. He thinks he's behind Lilligren. Um, in terms of you know defensive prospects, which I assumed um, he gets some power play time late in the year, which boosted his numbers. But uh, he thinks that he he might be something, but he's not holding his breath. And I think that's kind of what you're expecting, anyways, out of a, a college free agent. To be honest with you, you're just you kind of hope you see he's got some skill when he he kind of tore it up in college. He does well in the minors, but then making that NHL. That leap to the NHL is sometimes tough for those college guys, and Dushik might be that, but I do like the, the projection. I do like that he's still young. Um, he's not a big kid, and he, he does need to work on his defensive game a little bit, uh, but other than that, I think that he is a projection pick, and I, I, I like the signing when he made it. I still like the signing. He was super, super 
um, productive this season. So maybe going forward, still only 22, he's got a lot of time to work on his game. And the way that the Leafs have really been able to to develop their players, I, I kind of like... Um, I like the thought of Dushik maybe working his way up into uh, into the NHL in the next couple of years because they need defensemen, they need him quick, and they need him bad. So maybe Dushik's a guy who can work his way up into uh, into the Leafs lineup sometime in the next year or two. All right, number four, Tyler Ennis. You know, remember he was bought out by Minnesota, and he just signed a, a league a league minimum one year deal with Toronto to try and build back his stock. He had a decent year, eighteen points in fifty one games, twelve of them being goals, um, and that led to a new deal with with Ottawa the following season. So you know, Ennis he wasn't anybody who was coming in that we everyone was super excited about, but he was a, a guy who has a lot of NHL experience, a good veteran with a very young group, could come in play on the fourth line uh you can kind of mix him in and out of the lineup based on on matchups and he's a guy who if there's an injury or two he can move up your lineup he can move down your lineup you can put him on the power play he's got a good shot and he was somebody who for what he was a one-year prove-it deal minimum minimum uh, league minimum contract it was a pretty good signing uh, for the maple leafs uh number three Basically the exact same type of deal. Jason Spezza, I have him there. This year signed again to a one-year 700000 league minimum contract. You know, he started the season as a healthy scratch in the first home opener, first game against his former team, the Ottawa Senators, and everyone lost their minds. I remember I lost my mind here on this podcast. I was like, Babs, what are you doing? Like, come on, you just... Sure, he may not be the best player to play, which I... I mean, kind of think he was, but even if he's not the best player to play, how can you sit him in his first game as a Leaf at home against the Ottawa Senators? Like, is your fourth line guy who you play maybe 10 minutes a night really going to change how this game goes for you? That you're willing to take the heat that you took by by sitting him? Like, oh man, it still still bugs me to this day. But, uh, you know, he kind of became a, a nightly staple under Sheldon Keefe and has had numerous quality games for the Leafs uh, so far this season. Under Keefe, he's got 20 points in 46 games. So, you know, he's producing and he's played pretty much every single night. And he's got a couple of couple of game winners also, a couple of uh, shootout goals too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think that Spets has been a really, really good signing. There's some rumors that he he would want to come back, you know. He, uh, he likes... What's going on with the team? He likes the the, the locker room, likes the makeup. Of the, he likes the direction they're going in. Uh, big fan of Sheldon Keefe, who's kind of giving him a, a second lease on life in the NHL. So I think bringing back Spezza to kind of be, uh, you know, your fourth line center, a veteran in the locker room for a team that's looking to make a deep run. I think Spezza would be a, a home run. You know, bring him in on this kind of a similar contract that he just signed. You know, he made a lot of money over his career. At this point, he's not what he used to be, and 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 he's just chasing a ring. And I think that the Leafs, they're not quite there yet, but they could be there with a couple of a couple of tw- uh, tweaks to the to the lineup to the team. So, um, Jason Spezza, that was a, a home run signing this offseason by uh, by Kyle Dubis. All right, the second one here, Ilya Mikheyev. Um, Big time signing out of Russia. I had no idea that he was going to be this good. There really wasn't much hype about him either coming over, to be quite honest with you. Maybe there was, and I just missed it, but I didn't hear much coming out of about Mikheyev. You know, kind of like we're hearing with Barabanov, or we're here with, you know, Vadim Chipachov a couple of years ago. And uh, last year, oh, who's the player from Vegas that they traded to? 
New Jersey. Oh, I can't think of it, but he was a, a big time Russian player. I mean, Nikita Gusev, you know, big time fanfare about Nikita Gusev. And all in all, it seemed Mikheyev just kind of went under the radar and uh, he was having a fantastic season for the Leafs before he sliced his wrist with a skate to uh, end his season essentially had 23 points in 38 games his guy who worked up and down the lineup he killed some penalties he was a puck hound Um, you know I, I really liked him he ended up finishing the year on the second line and Maybe he's not a top six guy, but I feel like he did a lot of the same things that Zach Hyman did. He was a an energy, just a, like an energizer bunny. He was a an energy bug out there on the ice. I really, really, really like Mikheyev. I'm expecting a big season for him in year two when he recovers and comes back uh, either this season when hockey picks back up because I believe he's fully healed and can play now or uh, next year when when hockey returns. But either way, fantastic signing for du- for from Kyle Dubas and another time. Another player where you sign him to a super cheap contract and he gives you a lot of production. And that's what McCabe's done this year and uh, I assume will do for the next few years as well. Number one, this is pretty darn easy, John Tavares. Nearly 50 goal scorer. He was named captain a year after signing his deal. It was a big deal, don't get me wrong. And maybe in a few years, you'll be saying, when he slows down a bit, you'll be saying, man, 11 million for this guy? Like, oh, it's so tough. But the first few years of this contract are going to look great, and it's going to be great. And and he's the captain. He's the leader in the locker room. He's a warrior on and off the ice. Um, you know, he's captain. He's captain Captain Maple Leaf. That's, that's what he is right now. And obviously, it was a huge signing. Arguably, you could say the biggest signing in Leafs history. Um, so I think John Tavares 100% is the best UFA uh, signing that Dubas has made in his career. No doubt about it. But there's my top five, Tavares, Mikheyev, Spezza, Tyler Ennis, and Joey Dushek. Uh, my projection pick, I think that he'll end up being a half-decent pick. But, you know, if I do this again next year, Maybe Barabanov ends up working his way in there. I could see it. If he ends up being a quality NHLer that ends up playing most of the season in the NHL next year, I think he could replace Jushik or or even uh, Tyler Ennis. You know, he could move up to, to fourth on this list with a half-decent year in, in the NHL next season. So, uh, yeah, no, Dubas, is, he's done all right for, for what he's had. You know, a lot of these signings, they're not big. Like, Mikheyev, Spezza, Ennis, Jushik, they're all league minimum or entry-level contracts. Like, other than Tavares, he hasn't made many big, splashy free agent signings, and he hasn't been able to because he's given so much money to these these high-end players like Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares, and uh, now it just he doesn't have the money to, to dip into free agency on July 1 and get any of the big fish. He already went big fish hunting, and uh, now... He's got to deal with it, and there's not much he can really do, but he's doing the best he can. I think he's putting together a decent season, and uh, if hockey does return this year, we'll see if the break kind of helps this team gel, figure things out, and uh, let's see if they can have a big second half of the year. If not, I'm expecting big things next season out of the Maple Leafs. I really am. All right, uh, up next, we'll quickly go over some stuff that was discussed in uh, Insider Trading. All right, Mike DiStefano, I'm back with you. Um, all right, so we're going to go over what was discussed in Insider Trading tonight uh, on TSN with Darren Dreger, Bob McKenzie, and, um, and Pierre Lebrun. So one of the, the more important things that I picked up on is if the NHL does resume, they do want to actually 
They want to get some regular season games in. I don't think they actually want to go straight to the playoffs just because they, they kind of want to have a preseason-ish, like a give, make everyone a few games. And I think what I mentioned a couple of weeks ago was get everybody up to 70 games. So that's, you know, teams who've played 68 games, give them a couple games. Teams who have only played maybe 64 games, they get six. And then everybody has the same. They don't have to go based on points percentage because everyone's played 70 games and uh, and everyone has a couple of games under their belts that, that they've got um, already already done. So I think that might be something that they look into, maybe 72. I, I, well, Nobody knows the small minor details, but that might be the way that they look to go uh, go forward if they do decide to get some regular season games in. Uh, but then there is also the conversation of, okay, well, if we do resume hockey, how's it going to be done? And there's conversations in other leagues like the NBA about potentially having you know a one location that they kind of just have everybody in and they do it kind of like back in in high school when they had tournaments and and all these schools went to one tournament and over the course of a week you played you know x amount of games you you know at nine o'clock you got the least versus the 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 lightning and then three hours later at 12 o'clock you're gonna get boston versus uh versus the flyers and then later you know what i mean so that's that might be something that they decide to do um what they said is they're probably not gonna do one location but I think they would rather do multiple cities and it would make sense to probably split teams up into their divisional races. So if they do split it up and they go into the playoffs, you have the Atlantic kind of division playoff tree taking on the, uh, and then the Atlantic division playoff tree and let's say Toronto or I don't know, Boston, one of the Atlantic teams or really, I guess wherever, uh, whichever four cities you're allowed to go, it seems like maybe down south is are kind of the the cities that are less affected. Um, so maybe even you do it in a city like Utah or or in Arizona. Um, anyways, and then you know the Metro, the Pacific, uh, and so on and so forth. So I think that might be a way that you could try and do it if you want to do it in four different cities. Just kind of do it the way the playoff brackets are going to set up, and then from there you kind of converge to two cities, and then probably have just one city for the Stanley Cup final, and you bang it out, boom, 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 um, and 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 it'll be done. And that's an if. That's all if hockey resumes, which we don't know yet. Nobody really knows, which leads me to the next topic that they were kind of discussing, and that's that the teams that are officially eliminated and know that they're not going to make the playoffs, even if they end up you know, opening it up to a, a 24-team playoff structure, which has been discussed in the past, whether or not that happens or not, I don't know. But you know the teams that are totally gone and out the ducks the sharks the you know the the they're all kind of starting to have their end of season player calls like their player exit meetings the ducks have have started having some exit meetings already because whether or not they come back they know that the season's over and they've played enough games that they can evaluate everybody's season to see how far along they came and how much you know they need to improve or what they need to improve on going into next season you know you have all that information why not just start having it now because if you may never get back to playing this year. So start having them. The Sharks and Sabres, they're starting to have them as well. Um, interestingly enough, they also mentioned that Ottawa is really hoping that the, continue, that the season continues for some reason, and they're holding off on their meetings. I don't know why, but uh, but they are. So that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But Ottawa, one of the teams yet to have meetings, they're hoping that the league continues. Um Something else that I thought was really interesting that's going on in the NHL right now, uh, somewhat was mentioned in insider trading, but the fact that the NHL is 
finally using social media to their advantage. You know, for years, they were kind of the boring league that never wanted to use social media for their own benefit. And it seems like this is kind of a silver lining that maybe you can look back on years later if the NHL ends up growing because of this, because of this all access, this inside access that the players are finally giving to the fans. You know, um, you have these captain chats all around the league, and, and I love them, like listening to everybody talk and chirp each other and finding out what it's like in the locker room, what they think of their teammates like it's great I'm, I'm i'm really loving it like these zoom chats are hilarious um so that's that's something that i really think is something that the nhl is, is finally starting to get on board with um apparently the nhl is trying to get ovechkin and gretzky on a zoom chat together to kind of talk about you know stories from their careers and and whether or not you know how gretzky feels about ovechkin chasing him for for his goal scoring record and if ovechkin wants to beat him how he thinks he'll beat him and so forth um i heard that the blues are looking to do a, a big reunion all via uh you know a virtual reunion with with all the players from the Stanley Cup last season uh, and try and get them all together on one chat and just kind of have them talk about, you know, the season, the Cinderella season that was when they were in very last place in January and ended up winning the Cup uh, months later. So that would be interesting too. And and I think this is something that's that's great, you know, just the, them using uh, social media a little more to open it up to the media and the fans through the use of technology and social media is great. Uh, I, I really, truly do believe that that is something that uh, that is a silver lining, if any, that the NHL can find out of this. If they continue to go down that road and continue to use this this virtual reality um, to try and, and broadcast some of the personalities in hockey um, on a widespread medium like the internet. So uh, I, I really like that they're starting to um, to get virtual with uh, with some of the players and, and, and all that stuff like that. Um. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And Peter, check back in later this week. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.